Anyway, we're into our second book of Moses. This is Exodus. Um, the quickest way of introducing Exodus is to jump ahead into the New Testament, into Acts chapter 7, and to let Stephen preach a sermon. He will, in about 10 verses, tear through all of Genesis. Isn't that, uh, that better than I could do? Is I'll just... I'll just shut up and let Stephen preach. God gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. It's Genesis 14. Okay? But Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. Genesis 35. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt, Genesis 38. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he made him ruler over Egypt and in, in all his pla uh, palace. Rather. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our fathers could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our, father di our fathers died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. Then another king who knew nothing about Joseph became ruler of Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and depressed our forefathers by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. Isn't Stephen graphic here? Just throw out the babies with the garbage. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for in his father's house. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Kind of brings us right through everything up into Exodus. So Egypt, uh, in the center of everything, is this Snaky River, an enormous river, the Nile, one of the longest rivers in the world uh, that goes from Upper Egypt, which is always south, to Lower Egypt, which is always north. In Egypt, there is no, there was in ancient Egypt, no reason to learn navigation on a river. If you wanted to go south, you simply took down the sail and let the current carry the boat north, period. If you wanted to go south, you hoisted a sail and let the wind carry you south up the river. That's it. There's almost nothing to navigation in Egypt. And the greatest navigators of the ancient world were not Egyptians, by and large. Um, uh, now, as you're in Egypt, uh, in, in this river, you, you have the Red Sea on the right. And then as you work your way north, you get to the Nile Delta, which has many more branches than the two that are there. But uh, uh, Amarna, and the, kind of the middle of the screen there, is famous for a library of cuneiform tablets sent between a pharaoh 
and uh, some of the kings of the, of the uh, Hittites, the, the Amarna letters. Um, then as you go further north, you get to the uh, oasis of Saqqara, where there were, used to be many um, small tombs of kings, still are. And then Memphis, which is, of course, where Elvis is from. And then Giza. Uh, you see the three pyramids and the Sphinx on the left there? That's Giza. It's just outside of modern um, uh, uh, Cairo. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it just, just outside of the city of Cairo. Uh, literally, people look out their hotel windows and they can see the pyramids of Giza. Um, then Heliopolis, which is often called On in the Old Testament. And uh, Alexandria wouldn't be named for many, many years. But Goshen would be on the right hand of the green about where that monument, that unlabeled uh, 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 steely is, or, uh, or a monument there, that's about where Goshen was. So Egypt in, uh, in the 1870s, when this photograph was taken, uh, it was not really overpopulated. Even Cairo was a small city, not that big of a deal. Very, very much... Uh, 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 a tourist center now. Um, I wanted to mention something about Egyptian history. Biblical history is pretty well uh, uh, locked in as far as years go, and the chronology I'll be using uh, uses those numbers. The reason that things are sometimes uncertain is not because the biblical chronology is uncertain, but because Egyptian chronology is uncertain. The pharaohs had a habit of chiseling out each other's names from statues. Uh, and the reason we know this is sometimes the obelisks, uh, which have four sides, would fall against another building or against another obelisk. And the guy would, would have chiseled out three of the copies of his predecessor's name, but he couldn't get at the one against the wall or whatever. And then when a modern individual has taken the obelisk and pushed it out of ways, they can snap a picture of the name that's there and figure out, oh, that's who this is. Um, so otherwise, the pharaohs would take credit for what their predecessors had done, do things like that. So Egyptian chronology prior to 1500 BC is very wishy-washy. Uh, after 1500 BC, it's pretty well locked in because about that time, foreign governments were writing, uh, uh, writing to the Egyptian pharaohs and we know what, who was pharaoh when because they're listed out from outside documents or confirmed by outside documents. Um, I should also mention that the word pharaoh uh, was not used in ancient Egypt. It was king. In Hebrew or Egyptian, it would be melech, uh, the word for king. Pharaoh became popular only with the 18th dynasty, which is the dynasty in power when Moses was growing up. Uh, Moses takes the word Pharaoh and throws it back in time. He uses the word Pharaoh 71 times, if my count is right, in Genesis, even though none of the Egyptian kings in Genesis would have called themselves Pharaoh. Moses uses it because that's the word he grew up knowing. So there, it's one more clue of the, and, and later on, 
uh, long after the time of Moses, like at the time of, say, uh, Cleopatra in the post-exile world, the kings of Egypt were no longer calling themselves Pharaoh. So why would somebody writing at the, you know, after the exile, for example, why would they throw the word Pharaoh into Genesis if that's not what the Egyptian rulers were calling themselves then? So it's one more clue that Moses is certainly the author of Genesis and the rest of the books of the Pentateuch. Um, I, uh, there are a couple of other pieces of evidence. Maybe one time I'll take you through some of those. One of them, I'm not going to be humble about this. I discovered myself one of the pieces of proof for authorship of Moses of the Pentateuch. And no one is interested. But there it is. Uh, I'll, uh, but it is there. It's, it's in the text of Scripture, actually. Um, over and over again, all through the Old Testament. I'll, someday, if you're really hurting for a Bible class, I'll walk you through that. And uh, we'll see. All right. If you're thinking of the books of Moses, the middle three really center around, this is an outline at the bottom of page one there in your handout. Uh, not much of a handout today, but there it is. So by and large, Exodus talks about the moral law, that is the laws that are still in force today and forever. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, right? Things like that. Don't poke your brother in the eye. Stop that or I'll come back there that kind of moral law um, in various ways. Leviticus is entirely about the ceremonial law, the duties of the Levites, which is why it's called Leviticus, the, Levit the, the, the book of Levite things. And then the third one, Numbers, the third in this group, is about the civil or political law, uh, some of which, are, are most, most of which is also fulfilled by Christ and like the Levitical law, but some civil laws might still be in place, although with different punishments. For example, uh, if your ox gores your neighbor, uh, you might have to pay a fine today, right? Well, in, it was different in the book of Numbers. Um, the first time that happened, you paid a small fine. The second time it happened, you might lose your life. So you've got to take care of that ox. Um, but that's, that's the kind of laws that are there in the book of Numbers. Um, we'll come to that when we visit the book of Numbers later on. So, though I should point out that the words moral law, ceremonial law, civil law are not biblical words. We assign them to make it easier to understand what the different laws were, and they do fit into those three categories. And Christians and Jews from ancient times have used those categories, but they aren't actually, the Bible doesn't actually say that. So it's a little bit like our word Trinity. The doctrine is in Scripture, but the word isn't. So, you okay with that? Well, then let's move on. All righty. My uh, drastic outline of the book is three parts. I hope that's okay. Just three pieces. Um, in uh, uneven thirds, the first one, which is almost half, is the deliverance of the covenant people out of Egypt. This is Moses showing up at Pharaoh's court and saying, bottom of the page, by the way, and saying, let my people go. Second part is the establishing of the covenant. That's the giving of the law for the most part. And what's the most famous part of the law? Ten Commandments, Ten commandments. Exodus 20. Yeah. By the way, the Ten Commandments are, are listed 
in the Old Testament three times, especially in, of course, Exodus 20. That's when God gives them. And then Moses explains the commandments kind of in a scattered way across Leviticus chapter 19. They aren't in order and they aren't all there, but most of them are there. And then Moses preaches on the law in Deuteronomy chapter 5. But that's a sermon and not a quotation, an exact quotation. So, for example, 9 and 10 are switched, but that's because it's in a sermon. Um, and uh, once in a while, does a preacher get A and B backwards in a sermon? Well, when doesn't he, I guess, is the question I'd like to ask. So, uh, uh, quickly running through the chronology, we begin with little Joe, sold into slavery at the age of 17. Maybe that is a picture of little Joe, or a little Joe, anyway. Uh, so there he goes. In 1897 BC, just to get you in tune with what's happening in Egypt, the Pharaoh's name that came to, came to power in Egypt, and the one that Joseph would have worked with was Sesostris II, part of the 12th dynasty of Egypt. 1886, after Joseph has been sold, death of Isaac. Um, I didn't put it in here. I probably should have. Eber is still alive. Old Eber. He isn't quite dead even yet, but he will be soon. I should have put it in the chronology, but I didn't. They're still called the Hebrews. Uh, Sesostris III, Pharaoh, uh, after Joseph's rise to power, and really, at the, at, in fact, at the turn of the... Um, the years of plenty for the, for the lean years is when this, this, this pharaoh comes to power. So evidently, Sesostris II dies right in about that time, just between the plentiful years and the, and the lean years. So something happens there and he dies, whether it's battle or old age, I don't know, I haven't looked it up, but whatever it is. And then in 1876, a couple years into the, into the years of, of, uh, of, uh, of want, Jacob, uh, who is 130 at this time, the text says it. Jacob and his family settle in Egypt. That's during the famine. A um, couple years later, uh, Sesostris now is off the throne. He dies and Amenemhat IV becomes Pharaoh for a long time. Look at that reign, 1860 to 1814. That's a good long time. Um, that's, that's even my math tells me that's more than 10 years. So 12th dynasty. Then death of Jacob after just 17 years in Egypt. He dies at, is it 147? That sounds about right. Um, in 1859. Uh, so that takes us now to, the, to uh, really now Joseph being the dominant brother among the brothers after Jacob dies, because he's politically in power. Um, I, I'm just going to give this to you in one big batch to show you that the 13th, this is the, the 12th dynasty ends with this woman, Sobek Neferu. She's the queen pharaoh for just a couple of years. Um, and uh, right before she dies, Joseph dies at 110. He has been number two in Egypt for more than 70 years, almost 80 years. That's a long time for that guy to be well-respected. And by the way, the Israelites, 
are thriving under Joseph. Uh, they've, they're, they're the shepherds of Goshen, and they're going to continue to thrive for 200 more years, even after Joseph dies. They are not slaves. They are not oppressed. Not yet. They will be, but it's not yet. We, should be, we often have this idea that they were slaves for 400 years. No, they were slaves for about 80 years. That's just, they've, they've only just become slaves when Moses is born. Um, and that's in the text. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll walk through that. But after Sobek Neferu, this uh, pharaoh queen, by the way, when a pharaoh is, when a, when, a, when, a, when a woman is pharaoh, she still gets the symbol of the pharaoh on her statues, which is what? It's a long beard. So the women, she's clearly a woman in the statues. She has women shapes, but she also has the beard. So that's, that's Sobek Neferu. Um, and uh, she dies, and with her dies the 12th dynasty. A new dynasty takes over in 183, the 13th dynasty. It's down in the, in the Nile Delta. Have you heard the word Tanis? How many Indiana Jones fans do we have in here? Tanis? What happened at Tanis in Indiana Jones run? What was what was what was what did India what did Indiana Jones find buried in Tanis? In the Well of the Souls. The Ark of the Covenant, yeah, in the in the in the movie. Spoiler. Uh, but uh, Tanis really was another name for the city of Avarice. And you all have heard the word Avarice with an S. Not C-E. It's, it's usually misspelled in English, but it should be rich beyond the dreams of avarice with an S. Avarice was the treasure city of the Egyptians. It's where they kept all their gold and their treasure and all that stuff. So rich beyond the dreams of avarice. is uh, That's where the 13th dynasty set up shop. The 14th dynasty got started just a few years later, about two generations later, and were a rival kingdom. They were upstream at Memphis, again, where Elvis lived. And then, the, and then while they were uh, setting up power, this group came swooping in from Canaan. Who were they? Well, they're called the Hyksos. And that's the Egyptian word for this foreign group that came in, uh, whoever they were. They were kind of a Semitic group. They, I believe they practiced circumcision. They certainly refused to worship any of the Egyptian gods. They spoke a language similar to Egyptian, which means it could have been understood by the Jews or by the Hebrews. Um, and they came from, outside sources say, from Syria. So up north, further north than Galilee, up around Mount Hermon, somewhere, or even further up by Damascus and so forth. That's the Hyksos. They came in, conquered, or at least drove out um, some of the Egyptian armies and drove out the pharaoh so that he had to go down south to either Abydos or Thebes. Thebes is a famous Egyptian city where the waterfalls of the Nile are crashing down to get to about sea level. Um, and so the Hyksos ruled from 1650 to almost 1550, about 100 years, the 
third century of the 400 years that Israel was in Egypt, they were being ruled by this foreign Hyksos group because the Jews never, or the Israelites, never moved out of Goshen. So the Hyksos were in charge of their area down by the Nile, by the Delta, I mean. And so they were under the, domin the dominion of the Hyksos. I'm going to go back to this list. While the Hyksos were in power, an, uh, a 16th and 17th dynasty took over um, for just a few years. The 17th, just one generation. 1580 to 1550, is, it's, it's like five kings, but it's only one generation of people. Um, so is that a dynasty? Uh, maybe in the same way that the Cincinnati Bengals can be a dynasty over of, of, of Super Bowls, which means one. You know, not, not a very long dynasty. Um, but then in 1550, the new kingdom starts. This is really where Exodus gets going. The new kingdom in Egypt, after all of that mess of who's ruling Egypt, five dynasties, sometimes four of them at the same time, um, then the Hyksos are driven out. The Theban dynasty, the Abydos dynasty, the Karnak dynasty are all driven out and now ruling from up again in either Memphis or Avarice. The 18th dynasty, this is Thutmose III. His great-grandfather, Thutmose I. I don't, I don't have a decent picture of him, I'm sorry. Um, that We do have photographs of his mummy. And since it's Halloween, I could have shown that to you, but I thought, no, it's pretty gross, uh, even as mummies go. But the 18th dynasty becomes a totally new thing in Egypt. New name for the king. They call him Pharaoh, which means, anybody? Big house. Who's the Pharaoh? The guy with the big house. So, or who's king? The guy with the Pharaoh, the big house. So they call him Pharaoh. Um, the second or third king of the dynasty is actually Thutmose III. 1526, early in that dynasty, Moses is born. There he is. Bob, Bob, bobbing along. Um, Thutmose II, that is Thutmose II. What a baby face. I'll bet he didn't even have a beard. That guy, uh, Mr. Kath would call him Chubbins. Uh, Thutmose II. Do you see that in, the, in his one hand he has kind of a double stick? One's a reed and one's a, maybe a lotus flower. In the other one is a kind of a cross thing with a circle on the top. Anybody know what that thing is called? That weird cross with a circle? It's an ankh, A-N-K-H, an ankh. And it does look just like a cross, but with a circle on top, really, in, usually instead of the, of, the, of the top of the cross, an ankh. An ankh is the Egyptian symbol for the afterlife or reincarnation. One group of Egyptians, the Coptic Christian Church, adopted it as their symbol for the resurrection. Not every year, but many years. Right after Confirmation Sunday, a week later, I start seeing at school, eighth grade boys and especially girls have been given, a couple of them will have been given an ankh by grandma. Because, well, that's different. It's pretty. It's a different kind of cross with a circle on top. Isn't that nice? 
and some jeweler gets rich by selling them. And then the, and then the girls ask me, what does this mean, Pastor? I'm like, well, that's the Egyptian symbol of reincarnation. Ah! And then grandma comes to me crying, how come you told my granddaughter that? This happens almost every year. And, uh, and then I have to calm them down. Well, there was this one religious group, the Copts, the Coptic Christian Church, who said it's their symbol for the, for the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. So it's okay. But if you're going to buy somebody a cross, buy them a cross and make it one that you know that's a cross before anything else. There's a weird uh, uh, trend now of buying crosses that hang sideways. Have you seen that? A lot of them on a chain, so they're they're held front and or top and bottom on the chain instead of just on the top. Yeah. I'm not sure what to make of that. It's probably just for I don't know why. I don't think it's intended to be, but I don't know. It's just odd. It always makes me go, huh. So instead of going, oh, you're a Christian, I always go, huh. So what is that? What is that? Okay. Anyway, Moses in 1486. Oh, I had a new poem this morning. I was doing dishes and I made up a new rhyme for this. In 86. Oh, how did it go? Anyway, my son laughed, but okay. Anyway, um, now I've forgotten what it was, but. Something, 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 you bury the Egyptian in the sand. I forgot what it was. Anyway, Moses kills an Egyptian at the age of 40 and runs away to Midian. Now, after 40 years, learning all of the knowledge of the Egyptians and the Egyptian language and Egyptian grammar and poetry styles and writing implements, he now flees to Midian, marries a pretty girl he sees there, and for 40 years lives as a Midianite shepherd, learning their language and their ways and their literature and, and so forth. So he, he, he has a double education. Um, how many doctorates did, Martin, did, did Dr. Martin Luther have? This morning, uh, Mr. Kushel told me in Knowledge Bowl, one of the answers was Martin Luther because it was what they said monk. Luther was never a monk. He was a friar. But uh, what monk uh, nailed the 95 theses on this day in 1517? Martin Luther. And one of, the, one of the kids said, Dr. Martin Luther. And the, uh, the public school teacher who was leading that round said, oh, I don't think Martin Luther was a doctor. I think that's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And Mr. Kuschel said, no, no, he was a doctor. Then he checked with me later. I said, well, actually, he had two doctorates. And I, 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 I showed you that if you were there Sunday morning on my slides. Uh, Luther was first a doctor of the church and then became a doctor of theology later. He had two doctorates, uh, not just one. So anyway, moving on. While Moses is away, Thutmose III takes the throne. Um, I use Thutmose to teach the date of the Exodus uh, with a poem that unfortunately... Um, People don't remember. People always like it when I recite it, but they don't remember the facts, so what good is it as a teaching tool? I think I should drop it and come up with something different. Do you know the one I'm talking about? It begins in 1492. Pharaoh's name was Thutmose II. 
1446 BC, the Pharaoh's name was Thutmose III, um, to help people remember who was Pharaoh of the Exodus, but it just doesn't sing, so. Occasionally, but nobody else, nobody, nobody. Nobody. Anyway, Moses returns to Egypt. The plagues begin. Exodus happens in 1446. Israel goes to Sinai after a battle with the Amalekites, their first official enemies of the Holy Land. And Moses dies 40 years later at Mount Nebo in 1406 BC. So we have... You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Orleans, Minnesota.